we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence. The podcast where we explore the most delicious elements of movies, which is lots of violence and lots of sex. Sex and violence are both very delicious. <laughs> tasty, tasty, tasty. <laughs> My name is Orlando, and uh, joining me as always is our regular co-host, guest, and roommate, Ned. Say hi, Ned. Hi, Ned. How are you doing? How's it going? We are doing pretty good, you know. Just um, jamming to some tunes, riding out the riding out the wave that is <laughs> sitting in the apartment all day doing my job. The world, <laughs> riding out the world. So, yeah. well, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to watch movies and talk about them. And tonight's movie is The Descent, which is a 2005 British adventure horror film, written and directed by Neil Marshall. And it stars an ensemble cast of fairly unknown actors. If I, I, yeah, I don't think I'd really recognize them from any other work if I had to think about it. But the film follows six women who, having entered a cave system, get lost within and struggle to survive. This movie is available to stream if you have Amazon Prime. It's also on Hulu. Have you seen this movie before, Ned? I have not. Uh, unlike quite a few of the entries we've had so far, I have heard of it, and yeah. I recognize the album art, but no, I have not seen this one. Oh, well, do you like caving? Do you like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cave hor- where does cave horror scale in, my, in terms of my horror <laughs> film oeuvre? Do you, do you like the concept of feeling like you're cramped in a dark, deep, Place. Uh, <laughs> so this movie is is going to be great for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for some. I'm ready for some of that close quarters anxiety. Yeah, for some of that feeling of being trapped in a location. That's exactly <laughs> I don't know, why. Uh, you know, that's exactly I, why I picked it because we haven't been feeling enough of that. So I figured it was appropriate. It, it you know? feels good. Yeah, I think that's a, yeah, I think it's inspired. So yeah. uh, we're gonna break and watch the movie here in a second. Those of you at home can also watch the movie and then come back and we'll be playing trivia and discussing the movie in depth after the break. So are you ready to entomb yourself in the descent? Very. All right, right, guys, we're going to watch the movie. We'll be right back. See you on the other side. See ya. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. All right, and we are back. We we just saw the descent. We we really did. <laughs> my lord, we really did. So, I just got to say before we go on, this is actually one of my favorite horror movies of like the last 25 years. It came out in 2005. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that the early 2000s were an especially really good decade for uh, British horror. 28 Days Later came out um, oh, in the same yeah. decade. Yeah. There was just... Good company. It was yeah. just a very, um, very good year for horror. But this one, there's a lot of elements in this movie that I really love, and, and I can't wait to, to talk a little more about them. Um, what are your first reactions of The Descent? It was really good. Yeah. I really, really liked it. Um, it is... It it is very compact and economical. Yeah, it's a short movie, just yeah. an hour thirty. Yeah, um, and uh, and and yeah, it's just so like focused. Um, it just has a. There's just it it it's kind of a perfect package almost. Right. Of it just like is really very visually coherent mm-hmm. from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the writing and the characters oh, are yeah. all like really, very well really realized. subtle, very like, yeah, very the subtle. relationships. Yeah, really, really, really good sort of, yeah, cast of characters yeah. that they give us and, and put through this, uh, this ordeal. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, and yeah, it, it really did have me on the edge of my seat and, and very anxious through mm-hmm. a lot of it. Um, and I know, I know you say you're not normally a horror movie guy, but, uh, was, well, yeah. was this like, was this scary to you? This, this movie? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. It was definitely a, a yeah, it was definitely a horror film for me. <laughs> I, I definitely felt like I was watching a horror movie. If it, if it looks like a horror film and tastes like a horror film, then it's, it's probably, probably a horror, a horror film. Horror. But and it gets your seal of approval. It definitely does. Yeah, this is definitely one of those ones that, yeah, I think is like really, really good. Right. Um, and I really, really had a blast. All right. It. Yeah, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. So before we actually um, delve in a little deeper into the subject matter, let's play some trivia. Are you ready to play? Oh, yeah. The Descent G- Trivia. Oh, yes. Give me some Give me some bragging rights. I'm, I, I, I've got my bragging right fix. Yeah, the right. prize will be, as you said, bragging rights. Yes. And you're you're usually do pretty well at these, so yeah, we'll see, we'll we'll, we'll see, because uh, yeah, the the vocal tracks were a little quiet, especially for us at the beginning of the movie, so right. we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. You can <laughs> it, it, you have to like lean in to to pay attention a to everything. Bit, yeah. Um, so as always, these are going to be five questions plus a bonus, and the questions go in ascending order from least to most difficult. Yes. Now, here comes question number one. This was kind of a cheat because we, I realized that we actually did end up talking about this a little bit, but it's fine. It's question number one. It's supposed to be the most easy question. Yes. So, what, Ease me in. What does Juno's pendant say on it? Juno's pendant says, uh, love every day. Um, I would be okay if you didn't give me credit on that one, though. <laughs> it's we okay. Did, we did end up having to discuss it. It's love bit. each day, but they're both the same thing. Oh, okay, love well, then I got day, it wrong. So, day. well, there you go. Love every day. I got it wrong. How love about that? Love each day. Love each day. Damn. Which, first of all, okay, so I, I kind of get, I get the sentimentality of it, but, like, that's a stupid catchphrase for someone to love have. each day. Yeah, that's something. Love each day. Love each each day. It's interesting, I guess, the difference between love each day and love every day. Because it's like love every day. It's like love them all, but it's like love each day is is like each day on its own, right? In the most whole sense, which, 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 which I which think is, 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 is the spirit of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. 
you can one can do better though. It's it's a it's a live laugh love type yeah. thing. That, um, it fits the theme. It though. doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't speak to me personally. It, it works really well within the context of the movie and and all the events that transpire in it. Yeah. So you got question number one. I'm definitely giving it to you because, like I said, it's the easiest question. So eh, fair enough. Right, so I'll take it. We'll go to we'll go to question number two now. Question number two, how many years between Sarah's tragic accident and the spelunking trip? Uh, it is one year. One year. One year. And do you think, I don't know, like one year. Like I don't know if I would be diving into caves one year after losing my family. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be diving into caves ever anyway, ever. period. But um, <laughs> certainly... Upon the loss of a of a dear of of a family of two very important members right. of the family, um, yeah, God, no, um, I feel like enough adventure for yeah. I mean, I think uh, a year does make sense for sort of like you know being in in a place of grieving because it's clear and that when she wanting is to move grieving, on. but you but life still has to go right. on so she still has you know I'm, I would assume work and other right. social things going on so and that was the I know life doesn't necessarily trip. stop and and then that was the idea at the time the yeah, trip was like, like Juno yeah. specifically engineered this trip so that Sarah could move on pretty yeah. much yeah and for Juno to move on too yeah a little bit yeah a little bit yeah, that's a thing. It's interesting because there's a lot about Juno's a very interesting character, very and, and perhaps character. Be, just bears further discussion. Yeah, later. we'll talk but about yeah, her more. Yeah, there's a lot going on with her. Yeah. Okay, so so you got two questions right. Good. Here comes question number three. All right. Okay. What were the caverns that the group were supposed to explore? Ooh, uh, Not the ones they ended up exploring, but the one that they were supposed to explore. Borum Caverns, Correct. spelled B-O-E-R-O-U-M. Uh, B-O-R-E-H-A-M. Okay. Borham, but pronounced Borum. Borum, but Borum, yeah. B- something wow. B-ish. You got that one. I got it. I, I would say I got it, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Good. But I feel good about that one. Uh, first of all, don't ever... Tell me that I'm, you're taking me someplace and then reveal that we're somewhere else once we're inside that place. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, I gotta say, just, just Dick move. as, Dick you know, move. look, I'm not, I'm not an outdoorsman. I'm not handy. I'm not crafty. I'm not any of that <laughs> shit, but, but I appreciate safety. I appreciate good planning and and I'll tell you what like that was what was setting my alarm bells off was not necessarily like the intrinsic danger of doing stuff like that Mm -hmm. but just the fact that they were deep in the cave and it's like oh yeah by the way this isn't the cave we planned for this isn't the cave that we studied and read up on like we're just in the middle of this Completely strange, uncharted cave that we literally don't know if there's a way out. And of. they filed a, um, a, a, a charter plan with the ranger service. Yeah, for the wrong cave. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that that struck me. You know, yeah. There's a lot of so thought. irresponsible. Yeah, when it, yeah when it comes to horror films, obviously bad decisions films, abound. Yeah, bad decisions abound in horror. They must. Otherwise, you know, no one would 
would die in right. horror films. But it was one person's bad decision. But it, it was, was one person. But it was, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It wasn't it everybody else's. Again, it's all rooted in, in one person's very bad decision making. All right, so you got that one. Uh, that one was a little harder, I thought, but you 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 had no problem with it at all. You remembered Borum. So let's see yeah. if you remember this next one. This one is a fill-in-the-blank question. Okay, cool. And so I'm going to give you the line, and you just have to fill in the blank. All right. Okay. This is fairly early in the movie. Yes. Um, the, the line is, I'm an English teacher, not fucking blank. Oh, uh, I'm an English teacher, not fucking Laura Croft. Or not fucking Tomb Raider? Yes, Tomb okay, Raider. Cool. I wasn't sure if she specifically name dropped Laura Croft or I, I remember Same there person. was I remember there was a reference. Right. I remember there was definitely a reference. It's a great line. Um yeah, I'm an is. English teacher, not fucking Tomb Raider. Yeah. As they are peering into the gaping maw of, of the uncharted yeah, cavern. Of their inevitable death. <laughs> Um, that, Ooh, that opening boy. scene is so cool, I think. Like, whenever they, like, dive into the cave, it's just, like... I mean, I, one of the things that I love about this movie, and we can just... I'm just going to throw this out right now. Yeah. Is that it is very much an adventure movie with the horror twist layered nicely on top. But it gives you a nice yeah. feeling of adventure. Well, that was a thing. And, and I wasn't sure... And I wasn't sure how far into horror land we were going to go because I was definitely feeling... I, I felt like there was there was already like a psychological element that oh, yeah. they were establishing very early right. on with uh, Sarah's trauma over mm-hmm. the loss of her family, but I was also kind of expecting it to really stay in the survival realm, I right. guess, a little bit. And, and it was a survival film. And, and it was, yes. Yeah, it, it, it remained that throughout. Um, and and then, yeah, it wasn't until however long into the movie when we saw that first that first little shot of just something that was alive. And I was like, oh, what oh, is that? okay, we got creatures, too. And that is fucking wild. At, when, they're, when they go down into the, the cavern opening... Um, one of them notices claw marks on the side of the cave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I when I saw that, I initially thought that was just, like, bloody fingerprints. And, you know, obviously, again, horror films, so yeah. it's not like anybody's going to be like, wait, maybe this is a bad idea right. because there is a bloody fingerprint. Oh, it's definitely but, a bad idea. But, I don't um, think anybody thinks it's not a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know. All right, so now we're going to go to question number five. You're doing great. You're doing fantastic. You're okay. acing this quiz. This is the hardest question. Okay. So going to bring it. Bring it. Bring it to point, my face. So at some point in the movie, we encounter a cave painting. And the question is, which creatures from the Pleistocene epoch are depicted on the first cave painting that they encounter? From, wait, creatures from the what? The Pleistocene epoch. Which is basically like during the Ice Ages, a little bit before the Ice Ages. Okay. Okay. I've never heard that heard that term before. <laughs> I just want to be something... completely scientific accurate yeah, here yeah, on gratuitous sex and violence. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. It's very important to be clinical. Oh. Um oh it was like uh, uh it's was something with horns. I remember seeing a creature that had horns. Or maybe it was tusks. Was it? Was it a mastodon? Was that what we were seeing? Was was that a mastodon? Is that your official answer? 
No, okay. I, I'm, I'm gonna go with oxen, because I, I swear to God, I thought I saw, like, a kind of an oxen type thing. The fact that you identified the time period <laughs> from which these cave paintings seem to have taken place gives me great doubt. So I know I'm going to my doom with this answer, but I'm gonna stick with fucking oxen. The answer is not oxen. Yeah. It was the woolly rhinoceros. The woolly rhinoceros. I thought that was a very interesting detail. Yeah. Uh, And quick trivia within the trivia here. Yeah. Um, This movie takes place in Appalachia, North America. Yeah. But the woolly rhinoceros, there are no existing fossil records of the woolly rhinoceros ever existing in North America. The woolly mammoth definitely made it to North America. Hmm. The woolly rhinoceros is only found um, on the Eurasian continent, Europe and Asia. So it's kind of a goof. But yeah, it's an interesting thing that they. Yeah, they very interesting goof. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I. N- I never remember. I never remember getting too much info about the woolly rhinoceros. Um, right. Back in my school days when we talked about the ice age, I it's only. It's the remember. lesser woolly animal. Yeah, yeah. The woolly <laughs> mammoth. Yeah, it's because it's got those two tusks. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. not the one. Yeah, that was so. our woolly animal. Yeah, that was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so okay, so you got uh, four, four out, out of five. five. That one was okay. a pretty hard one, yeah, though. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one was tricky. That one was tricky. So well here, done. Yeah. Well done. No problem. I really like yeah. that one. So here comes the bonus question. Okay, good. The bonus question kind of strays out of the world of this movie a little bit, which it tends to do. Good. Uh, this one's about the director, director Neil Marshall. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, director Neil Neil Marshall also directed two acclaimed episodes. Of which highly popular television show? Ooh. Ooh. That is a really, 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 really good question that I don't know the answer to. Um, can I... Uh, okay, let, let me... Can, can you tell me, in the most basic sense, what genre the show is? I cannot tell you the genre. That's a dead giveaway. Okay. But what I can tell you is that this show wrapped up last year. Game of Thrones? Yes. Yeah, Game of Thrones. Makes sense. Yep. Couldn't see a fucking thing. <laughs> so, must be fucking Game of Thrones. Um, no, actually, this movie was was actually impeccably lit, I thought, and oh, used darkness yeah. very well. So, um, I would say... He did, not, he did not direct that episode, though. Yeah, yeah. He did not good. direct the dark episode of Game of Thrones. He directed Blackwater, which uh, has a lot of like lighting similarities with the way that the... Uh, the, the, the fire that yeah. they use has like that green aura in it in the middle of the bay. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, then Blackwater he, Bay. Yeah. yeah. And then he also directed uh, Watchers on the Wall. Both of them are big battle episodes. Yeah. Blackwater, you know, takes place uh, uh, in, King's Al- in King's Landing. And then the other one is when, when the, the Night Watch is battling uh, the wildlings at the wall. Uh, so pretty pretty good episodes, I think. Then They're both highly yeah. acclaimed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Neil, Neil Marshall... This was his second movie ever. His first movie, Dog Soldiers, was about werewolves and featured a mostly male cast. And for this movie, he turned it around and and, uh, and made a movie with a mostly female cast. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, the film takes Pretty place... Pretty much almost entirely. I mean, the, the, almost there's entirely. only one one male with the speaking role Pretty much. who yeah. dies. Paul. Yeah. yeah. 
The film, as I mentioned, takes place in Appalachia, but it was filmed entirely in the UK. The exteriors were filmed in Scotland, and the interior cave sets were at Pinewood Studios. Uh-huh. The filmmakers considered it too dangerous and time-consuming to actually film inside an actual cave, so they shot in a set, and the set pieces were cleverly reused. Uh, and also, the filmmakers sought to limit the lighting to sources that came from the characters themselves, from items that they would bring into the cave, such as the helmet lights. Uh, and you mentioned the lighting as being uh, one of the highlights of the movie. I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool that they, uh, yeah, that they really, really kind of stuck to their guns on right. having the lighting be as, uh, uh, as uh, what's that term for? Um, uh, when they say like or you know that's like those those filmmaking principles that like all the the music must always be like from within the thing it can't be like a oh, soundtrack uh, you know, diagenic what? and non-diagenic yeah there's diagenic and non-diagenic but but also like there it was kind of like it's like the this 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 broader set of rules about filmmaking that like Oh, like if if it's it's a this kind of film, if like the director, you know, you know, always has the music be, you know, diegetic and and uh, always has the lighting be such and such. I don't know. I don't. Name is CSB. Okay. I know that Lindsay Ellis talks about it. I think she does. I think so. Oh, okay, cool. Because I mean, she's always talking about film theory. Yeah, she's yeah. She <laughs> she knows she knows way more than uh, than than me about these things. So, but uh, um, yeah, there were two main color color schemes used in the movie: um, red and green. Yeah, which was I thought really really effective. I love the way that it lit the shadows, and also the way that it lit the creatures because the creatures had like sort of like a translucent skin thing going yeah. on. And because uh, when they used the green, it had like that night vision kind of thing going on. You know. Yeah. And then, and then, and, the, and also just like really good for, you know, because obviously it's like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of movement. They're mm-hmm. obviously like running through these very narrow caves very quickly, mm-hmm. and um, and with so little lighting, it's it's like they, you know, it's it by by sort of breaking it down when the party splits up into like the green and the red. It actually was a really great way to just kind of help the audience with tracking information, you know, oh, yeah. and and making sure that we always know where we are at any given moment. I also um, really like the way that he lit, like, the very bloody scenes. He lit it up in the red. It, it was a very nice, like, yeah. uh, contrast there with the shadows and, and like, just, like, these deep, like, different shades of red almost it seemed like yeah and in fact like there's like a and, um, and it definitely got redder as the film yeah. progressed too and um, I, I remember and, and the deeper into the cave they get i remember the the like the the power pose that sarah has after she like kills like the family of of crawlers she yeah. kills the kid and then the the mother and the father and then she's just like on the rock with a torch all like bloodied out mm-hmm. after she com- comes out of the of the pool of blood yeah it's very very cool um here's a trivia thing about the lighting that you might find interesting so the neon light sticks that are used in the movie were actually they're not uh spelunking material they're not spelunking no. lights they were purchased from an adult toy shop Ah. Uh? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. But they were very effective. I liked yeah, them a no, lot. Yeah, they did the job. Um. <laughs> the cave design was was uh, or the cave design was created by Mr. Simon Bowles. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm actually really impressed that it was 
that it was all entirely studio. Like, yeah. It, it was actually a really good It looked very set. well. He built um, 21 cave sets, and they just, like, moved them around and reused them to give us an impression of different parts that they came. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really well constructed. Yeah. I want to talk about something that the narrator uh, says before we go into the GSV segments. Um, so Neil Marshall said, "We and I quote, we really wanted to ramp up the tension slowly. Unlike all the American horror films you see now, uh, they take it up to 11 in the first few minutes and then simply can't keep it up. We wanted to show all these terrible things in the cave, the dark, drowning, claustrophobia. Then when it couldn't get any worse, we make it worse. <laughs> uh, one of the things I really admire about this movie is the pacing. You agree? I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I think, again, it was it was perfect to kind of not knowing too much about what I'm what I'm getting into and mm-hmm. to see how how the situation turns from bad to abysmally right. worse uh, progressively. And oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he and, and because there is so much anxiety. I mean, I was feeling anxious about it before we even got into the fucking cave. Um <laughs> You know, I the was way just it anxious. Opens. I was I was anxious <laughs> just looking at Holly, like you know, be the big swinging dick, trying to be like, oh you know. yeah, these pussy caves and oh no, Holly, you're right. Yeah, 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 just being like you know, yeah, being like all, you know, like oh yeah, we're not doing these tourist, tour- traps. yeah, we're, yeah, we're not going to these fucking tourist traps. And stuff like that. I was like, oh man, I I I can't I can't be climbing into this energy right now, <laughs> not at all, not by a long shot, please. No. I know. Um, Holly and, and Juno were like fighting for like uh, alpha territory. A little bit. Juno kept having to check her. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. And because Juno, like you know, she was gung ho about it, but she mostly She's definitely smarter. Had yeah, mostly had a, a, a smart head on her shoulders about you know what they were getting into with you know a few very notable exceptions. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think she is really intelligent and smart. Like, I think that her bad decisions come from a place of trying to, like you said, swing a big dick. You know, I feel like yeah. she was trying to prove something. Uh, I guess like in her mind, she was trying to prove something to the group, but really she was trying to prove something to herself. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the first of the GSV segments. The first one is shut, 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 this is kind of a, a trick question here also because, like, so how many deaths are in the movie? Basically, everyone in this movie dies. The yeah. Old, the only one we don't see die is Sarah. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's pretty strongly implied, implied that she, well, she will either die or she will evolve one or the other. Now, um, I will say this before mm-hmm. we go on. We just watched the unrated version because I, I happen to have the unrated version. Yeah. Those of you who watch this movie on Prime and Hulu will watch the American version, which is the theatrical cut, the American theatrical cut. Yeah. Now, there's a difference. There's only one main difference between the two cuts. Okay. The main difference is that at the end of the American one, she escapes from the cave, Sarah, and she, uh, she, she's on the road, the, the truck comes by, she throws up out of the window, and then when she, um, when she um, comes up, she sees, hallucinates Juno right next to her, she screams, and that's the end of the movie. Really? In the, un, in the UK version, the international version, 
we get the extra added scene that adds context and makes it even more despairing. Now, American audiences reacted negatively to the more despairing ending, so they tacked, so they cut it to make to imply a happy ending for the American release. I feel like that completely cheats the theme of the movie, personally. Yeah, I don't know. I, it kind of depends. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I don't know. Neither ending is particularly happy. I mean, because, again, if the American one ends with her still hallucinating that Juno's right there. Right. Like, it's clear that she's not coming out of this experience, you know. But she survived, for sure. But she does does survive, yeah. So, yeah. And and we get the added scene with with the daughter, because I feel like that's... One of the main themes in this movie is is a, this movie. This film is about grief and yeah. the descent into madness, losing your mind because of losing yeah. a loved one. And Sarah's journey is about empowering herself, but also to like let go of the grief. And when she hallucinates her daughter at the end, like that's a scene that you don't get in the American version. I feel like that really ties off that that theme very strongly. Yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, yeah, I think, I think the, yeah, the ending we saw is, is the better ending, mm-hmm. I would say, um, cause, cause yeah, you don't want that just, cause uh, yeah, it would be a little, it would be cheap, I would say, to just abruptly end on, whoa, she's in the van, what does that mean, and then you're just done. Right. Um, so I think that, yeah, the, the ending that we got of her in the cave is, is more of an ending, because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because ultimately at the end she is left with nothing in there but uh, the the grief for her daughter. Right. Um. But yeah, that's I. Yeah, I just I find that I find that so puzzling. I find that so puzzling that they went through the effort. Of, I know that they went through the effort of just cutting it off. So there. if you guys have an opportunity, watch the unrated version. Yeah. And then you can compare the two and you can let us know which one you prefer. If you yeah. want. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree. Uh, the theatrical yeah, is discuss. available for free. So, you know, you know, if you, if you don't know what we're talking about when we finish, when you talk about finishing like the, that extra scene, that's fine too. You don't have to watch the other one, but uh, yeah. you, you're more than welcome to do that. Enjoy your suck your experience, everybody. <laughs> A minute shorter. You dummies. Um, so I want to talk but, about the ladies themselves more um, in our next segment. Yeah. So if for this one, since we're talking about the violence, there is a lot of violence in this movie. Yes, quite a lot. Uh, and most of it is so. attributed to the crawlers. So I want to talk about the crawlers. Yeah. Give me your opinions on these creatures of the night. Yeah. So so it's interesting because, I mean, at first blush, first glance, uh, the design of the crawlers did remind me a fair amount of Buffy. And I don't know if maybe... Ah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if we're ever going to get through an episode of... <laughs> where you don't talk about Buffy. Violence <laughs> where I'm not reminded of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in some fucking way. But but there we are, folks. Um, there was something about the design that... Yeah, that struck... And especially because of the fact that it is a, a humanoid, mm-hmm. um, you know, creature costume, clearly. And so, you know, they they have you know, physical work that they're doing that's, you know, fairly similar to a lot of the creatures that end right. up making their way into the Buffyverse. So, um, that said, uh, the design definitely has, you know, much more, you know, detail and subtlety to oh, it yeah. and doesn't quite, it never quite, 
it never quite gets to that to that level of like goofy camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that uh, the creatures definitely were at their best the less lit they were, which is obviously, which for the most part they kept yeah pretty well, which which was mostly pretty good. I think one of the earliest scenes with the creatures that's the first attack in earnest that mm-hmm. they have on the party. Um, I remember seeing a lot of the creatures in that first scene and that scene was pretty well lit. And so I remember being like, oh, okay, this, this is interesting and it's a shift in dynamic for them. Um, but then it's not until the party is separated from that first attack. And then we start seeing the, the different individual mm-hmm. encounters with the creatures that they really do get become more and more terrifying right. as you just and as you learn more about how they work and what works mm-hmm. for them and what doesn't work for them. Too. There was a lot of interesting things about them. Um, I, li- I like the mystery. I liked I, li- I like being in situations in movies where I'm trying to figure it out along with the characters. It makes yeah. me feel like an active participant. And definitely in this movie, I think really does that because when you when you get glimpses of the creatures, Sarah's the first one to notice them. She notices them twice before the rest of the group does. Yeah, uh, and you're. I feel like you as an audience member, you're trying to piece it together too. You're like, what are these things, and what are they doing in this cave? What's their purpose? And then when they start attacking, you're you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I survive this situation? And the same. In the at the same time, they're trying to figure out how to survive it. So yeah. you learn things about the creatures at the same time that they do, which yeah. I really like. And it's interesting because they they are definitely quite mortal. You know, they bleed oh, yeah. and they they're not supernatural. they die, and they're not supernatural. And I wouldn't even necessarily say that their strength even qualifies as superhuman. No. They Mm-mm. they certainly are leaner and tougher because they've been hunting and all of that but yeah in a way there's almost something a little more terrifying about just how mortal they are in a way because they are completely undiscovered Mm -hmm. and do feel alien even as they are very much of this world and and i was i was kind of surprised at how Considering how grounded the movie is, mm-hmm. like how it, it starts from a pretty grounded place oh, yeah. and and the tension builds up at a really great pace mm-hmm. and the creatures never really take you that much out of the world of the film. There's no. never a point where you're like, oh, wait, this is just abruptly a monster film now. Because it cashes in on our expectations really early on. Like we like. The way that I sold it to you, and I did this very purposefully when I, and even at the beginning of, of this podcast, when I described the movie, I left out the creatures completely. Yeah. I feel like the movie experience is much more effective when you're not expecting them because it is a survival movie and it definitely works on that level. And the creatures are just like an added bonus at the end to just really just take everything up to 11, like yeah. Neil Marshall said. Um, so be- you didn't know that there were creatures in the movie, did you? Or uh, I didn't. I. I feel like there was uh, there was I was I was ready for there to be possibly something maybe supernatural right. going on that it would be like I knew that it was a horror film or I knew that I knew that it involved cave diving right. and so there was 
there was part of me that was like, hmm, I wonder, you know, if Orlando is recommending this for one thing, um, <laughs> there, there may be a horror, <laughs> there may be a horror twist. Um, so I was, I was kind of 50, 50 on like, okay, maybe this will just be all natural survival versus, okay, maybe there will be a, a supernatural element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the creatures were, were an interesting one. I was, yeah. Cause I wasn't fully expecting it to go that direction specifically. They so. kind of remind me also a little bit of like, uh, jacked up golems. A yeah. Bit. Oh yeah. Uh, golems been to the gym. All the right. design was based on the Nosferatu vampire, uh, except that Nosferatu had these big old eyes, but they purposefully decided to make the eyes smaller. Um, and actually, since you mentioned Buffy, I believe that the vampire work in Buffy is also inspired by the Nosferatu vampire. Yeah, yeah. The, not not all of the vampire effects necessarily, but actually there is at least one vampire character whose appearance is definitely almost exactly lifted from right. the Nosferatu look. So um, it's no mistake, but, I think, but, that, but, that yeah, you see the resemblance. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd be curious. I, it, it might take more research to see if, if some of the creature design had any overlap or I want to read you I want to read you what uh, Neil Marshall says about these things. Yeah. So he described the the crawlers as cavemen who have stayed underground. Yeah. So this is like a colony of cave dwellers, cavemen from prehistoric times, from the Pleistocene epoch, so to speak. <laughs> There it is. Um, there it is. But they never, they never left. So they're all underground, and um, they've just been down there for thousands of years, breeding in this colony. And uh, Neil says, and I quote: uh, "They've evolved in this environment over thousands of years. They've adapted perfectly to thrive in the cave. They've lost their eyesight. They have acute hearing and smell, and function perfectly in the pitch black. They are expert climbers, so they can." go up any rock face and that is their world. Do you think that the design of the creatures conveyed his intention effectively? I would, I would say so. I was wondering about, I, I had, I had one working theory through the film Mm -hmm. that I think I somewhat abandoned by the end that, um, there was that uh, moment when they were uh, when they were doing the rope work across that uh-huh. first gap. Yeah, with the cans. and 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 they noticed there was a there was a spike that was like a hundred right. years old. So part of me was wondering, hmm, okay, are these creatures those guys or mm. that group of people, right. and somehow they had to survive? But certainly, evolution does not happen over a century. Right. Evolution happens over millennia. Right. So um, obviously, that would not be the case. But uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, there is definitely something very earthy and kind of natural about. I mean, obviously, I would. Would be surprised if 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 it's such a creature like that actually appeared in real life in real life. But yeah, mm. I thought I thought that I thought the design choices behind them definitely were inspired. I think you know a little a little lizardy maybe like or not yeah, lizardy, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, there's there's a bit of a reptilian element to them that 
would maybe give me a little pause. Also, I would kind of sort of call bullshit on the idea that they'd be completely blind, especially if they do hunt on the surface and bring their kills back down. Because bats, though bats live in caves, are they're actually not blind. Not blind they use at echolocation, all. but they're not blind. Um, yeah, so uh, so I think that 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 one element of it I might call a little bit bullshit on, but mm-hmm. you know, it's a fun movie. And, yeah, it's effective. And we we want to give we want to give our heroes a fight chance that's so, true yeah so yeah give them blind yeah predators. make them blind they're blind that's fine and i guess it would depend it would depend on it would possibly depend on just how long they spend in the caves and how often they go up to hunt too that's true yeah now the filmmakers found this really fun the filmmakers kept the crawler design hidden from the actresses on the until they were revealed in the scenes in which the characters encountered the creatures to allow for natural tension. And the story is that whenever they shot their first scene with the creatures and the creature made the appearance, they screamed and ran off the set laughing. Really? (laughs) Because they were actually like terrified by it. So they just like ran off the set. I'm not sure if that was the take that survived in the movie, but definitely, like their first reactions of seeing the, these creatures, like it was, it was a was bit on much. The set. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fun. Um, how how do you? I, I have to ask about this because that because that decision to hold off the reveal mm-hmm. um, is an example of something that, that I guess you could co- or you could term it uh, enforced method acting. You know, when directors yeah. make choices, directors do it all the time, yeah. and and you know, kind of kind of take certain choices out of the actor hands to uh to in in the pursuit of uh of more genuine responses what do you what do you think of that technique in general i mean if it's not used in an abusive way then yeah i think it's great like because in this one uh it wasn't like they they were terrorizing the actresses you know they just kept the the information hidden from them until it was appropriate to reveal it and another subtle way that they uh that that neil marshall um, helped with the tension was that he actually separated both groups of actors, the actresses and then the actors who played the crawlers. They were never allowed to hang out or eat lunch um, when apart from them filming together. Hmm. They they were divided into two groups. So that was to like ramp up the animosity between them on the set. Yeah. Uh, and another interesting thing is that he didn't actually hire stunt people to be the crawlers. He hired actual actors because he wanted each of the crawlers to have like their own personality. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. I That's mean, very interesting. Very, very good choices from Mr. Marshall. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I, I, it's like all these little things like added together. Like you, they don't maybe, they maybe don't seem like much when you take them like one at a time, but when you add them together, it creates, you can see the result of it, you know, yeah. it creates like a, the right amount of tension and it's believable authenticity, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's the thing, yeah, because, I mean, yeah, definitely everything within the film just had that focus and had oh, yeah, that, very had much. that, the vision was that heightened tension and anxiety and, yeah. Okay, we're going to go on to our next segment. The next segment is called Boobtube. And there's not any sex, really. Yeah. There. So uh, I guess the next section is <laughs> I, I want to use this segment to talk about the ladies. That's what I'm, I'm gonna since it's called boob tube. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the ladies themselves. We talked about the crawlers. Let's talk about the spelunkers. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like that word too, spelunkers. Yeah, spelunkers is... Uh, yeah, spelunking is... Something, like, the word spelunking doesn't evoke caves to me. It yeah. doesn't at all. It just... Spelunking. It sounds like a. It sounds like a a, a Germanic. It is Germanic, a Germanic yeah. dance thing. It sounds like a. It's like a. I don't know. It's like like a, something that you do after enough. Uh, after enough rounds at Brewfest or whatever. I know. It's it sounds like a like one of those nonsense words yeah. that would accompany like a song like in, an, in a rogers and hammerstein musical or yeah. something like that spelunking yeah. spelunking spelunking <laughs> what is the, yeah exactly <laughs> what is spelunking well let me show you spelunking is what you do when you have your sweetheart <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh that one takes the cake um, i like that one so here are the the rundown of the character names lest we forget we got sarah we got juno beth rebecca samantha and holly yes now Here's an extra added trivia question for you. Okay. In what order do they meet their demise? Ooh, okay. I like this challenge. Um, uh, Holly is our first casualty, mm-hmm. um, followed by... And an extra bonus point if you can say how. Uh, she was eated. They eated at her. <laughs> I guess eventually they all got eaten. Eventually. Eventually, yes. Um, But... uh, They ripped her throat out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, After that is... Oh, okay. Uh, The friend who... Yeah, I thought I was going to remember the names, but I couldn't. Uh, The friend friend who was... Who was all right? So, so there was Juno and Sarah on the raft in the beginning, and mm-hmm. then the third friend. Mm-hmm. Who? What was her name? Beth. Beth. The, the okay. best friend. Beth was next. Yes. Afterwards, and she was killed by Juno mm-hmm. with the pick to the neck. Which you reacted really strongly to that moment. Oh yeah! I That's mean, a that was shocking. A, that moment. was a very shocking moment. That got, very much gutted me. Yeah. That killed me, um, and it certainly killed Beth. It's um, eventually. Eventually, <laughs> even the that's the thing about this movie. Even the boob tube section is about, it's about the fucking violence. violence. Um, yeah, that's the yeah. Basically, we're we're canceling the sex for this episode, <laughs> but we're bringing you double the violence. Double the violence, double the fun. Very much so. Um, All right, after Beth, who do we got? After Beth, uh, we lose. Uh, after Beth, it's wait. Oh, it's, um, wait. Wait, that's two, then two, then two. Okay, good, perfect. I, I, I've i got all six accounted for. Uh, after that is Sam, and then after Sam is, uh... Uh, whoever the whoever how does the, Sam die? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Sam uh, gets her throat ripped out whilst hanging between mm. the the things. Sam was like, I, before you go on, so Sam was like a freaking badass. She did she did the whole uh, thing with a cam twice, and her poor hands were bleeding. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the, mo- the most tense scenes is when they're when they're setting the line uh, to, yeah. to cross the chasm the first. Or time. wait, uh, it, it's not. It wasn't Sam who grabbed the rope, though. I think it was the other one, the one who led them across first. No, who- it is Sam. N- no, Sam is the one who was who was hanging from the when she dies. Mm-hmm. Oh no no no! Because the one who led them across was 
No, hang on. Sorry, I'm pulling this up now. Was it Rebecca? No, it was Rebecca. Rebecca was the one who led them across first, and she, and she was the one who grabbed the ropes with her hands and was bleeding. But Sam tries to climb across, but encounters a crawler scaling in the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That is correct. Yeah, Sam is. Yeah, that's Sam. But she was the one with the hands. But or I, I'm pretty sure though that I'm pretty sure that she's not the one that. I, I was pretty sure that it was Rebecca though who grabs the rope and and gets her hand burned when that happened. It was Sam. Oh. Okay, but 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 Rebecca's the one who leads them across first, right? Rebecca's the one who sets the spikes first. I well, remember that was I also thought. Sam. Was that Sam? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, you you know you've seen the movie twice, so so I I will defer to you. I was pretty sure it was it was. Uh, I'm pretty. I don't know. Well, I if, was pretty sure it was if Rebecca. If we're wrong, let us know. Yeah. F- yeah. 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 Well. Uh, uh, yeah. Listeners, we need a ruling on this. <laughs> um, let us know in the comments. Because um, because Sam, Sam was the one who did it the first time, so I just assumed that it was her doing it the second time. Also, is what I would think. I, I uh, no. I was pretty sure. I was pretty sure. And she definitely had, because she was struggling with her hands, and this one, her hands were bleeding at the, the second time that she added a cross. So it is definitely Sam. Maybe. I might be going mad. I might be descending. I might be... You're on, descending. I think I'm on the descent now. Into, into madness. madness. Very much so. So anyway, Rebecca's um, next. She dies next. How does she die? Rebecca is... Pull, is, is uh, they, they eat her stomach. She's, like, on her back, yeah. right behind Juno, and they eat her stomach. Uh, then um, then Juno is uh, chopped in the leg and mm-hmm. left to be eaten by the rest of the cave people. And then, finally, we are left with Sarah, who is just stuck in there yep. and does not get out at all. Thanks, America. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, America, for you know going the other way on that one. I, I love the feminism in this movie. Yeah. Uh, the jokey name that the production gave it during filming was "Chicks with Picks." Okay, I dig it. <laughs> I and dig as it. you mentioned earlier, with the exception of Sarah's husband, as well as some non-speaking extras in the hospital, there are no men who appear in the film. Yeah. Talk to me about the relationships between the women. What's well, interesting cuz it's it's not necessarily all fun and games from no. the beginning. There's definitely a lot uh, of tension. Yeah, there's a little bit of tension there in in, in the group dynamic. Um uh certainly the the big tension is between Juno and Sarah mm-hmm. and that's something that uh Beth I know tries to bridge. Yeah. Tries her best to kind of bridge, but and Beth has the knowledge you find out. Yeah. Like she knows about the affair. Yeah. And she didn't tell Sarah, even though they're, you know, all three of them, I guess are best friends, but it seemed to me that the dynamic was that, that Beth and Sarah were the closest of the, of the three. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got the impression that Beth and Sarah definitely had, had the closer connection. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, and 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 so it, it's interesting, kind of seeing that there is a, a slight uneasiness to them. That like they are, they get along fine and all of that. But also, you know, you've got Holly who's insistent on trying to also show up everybody else, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you've and you've got uh, you've got Rebecca's uh, sort of uh, 
overprotectiveness of Sam yeah. and um uh, yeah, and and it's interesting because because none of the characters are at all like horror archetypes in They're any not, way. They, um, they seem like very real. Yeah, it's, grounded. People. Yeah, it is basically just like a collection of people who all know each other, and um, uh, and 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 that and that and that brought up questions to me about this film as a horror film because uh, obviously one of the big recurring themes of horror is the idea of the horror or the ordeal being uh an act of justice in a mm. way that uh retribution yeah yeah some sort of a retribution or or, uh, or a punishment right. for transgressions and usually the transgression is uh that you know they're horny teenagers and they're off being horny so they must die right and and Interestingly enough, there is a person who is a great transgressor, Juno, right. both because of the fact that she is the person who uh, gets them into this mess, and therefore she is almost the last person to die and basically mm-hmm. has to watch everybody die as a result of her decisions, right. and in some cases, quite literally killed by her. Oh, yeah. um, but also, there is this fact that... Uh, she also, as it was very subtly, you know, brought out in the film, she was having an affair with uh, with Sarah's departed husband mm-hmm. as well. And so there is this. So it's it's fascinating that that ultimately that that she that the film in a way seems to also be a bit about her facing justice for that, especially considering that this whole trip is meant to be this big, uh, you know, event for Sarah and a big opportunity for her to, you know, get back out there and experience the world again. There's a lot of foreshadowing uh, as to that, the retribution effect. Like there's a part in the movie where, where uh, Juno says uh, we all lost something in, in the crash. Yeah, exactly. And, And then later on when her, and Sarah are, are are arguing about being in this uncharted cave. Juno said that she wanted to name the cavern system after Sarah, and Sarah's like, "Are you sure it wasn't? You didn't want to name it after yourself?" Um, because like it seems like she's over it. I mean, this is a person who like she talks about how she basically abandoned her. Like right after the accident, she exited from her life when she needed her most. Yeah. And then this is really, it's like approving of herself and she's bringing Sarah along because that's how she can prove something about herself. Like that she's, that she is just as worthy to be grieving over the loss of Paul. Yeah. That Sarah is, I think. Yeah. Well, and also because in a survival situation like this, uh, trust is one of the most important oh, yeah. things. Yeah. And you, the team has to work together. And, you know, cave diving and climbing are both both things that require the entire team teamwork. to be able to work together. And so uh, it's it's kind of a stroke of brilliance that this is a film that shows that there isn't really this underlying trust. You've got the rift between Sarah and Juno. You've got Holly's, you know, recklessness. Yeah. Recklessness. Um, and, uh, and, and all these different dynamics that do kind of, you know, bounce off each Mm -hmm. other. And, and so that does end up 
being to the team's uh, detriment as a result. Do you think that it was justified for Sarah to hobble Juno at the end? Wouldn't, like you were saying, the teamwork thing, wouldn't wouldn't a strength in numbers thing? Because after they're the last two people left standing, we do get a sequence where they're just being like badass Amazonian women just like slaughtering these creatures. And then immediately after that, Sarah turns on Juno, reveals that she found the pendant and knows about the affair, and then hobbles Juno. Yeah. Well, and part of that was that I, I had to I had to kind of piece together the affair thing with you after the fact as well, partially just because I missed a couple of lines mm-hmm. early in the movie. Um, and so, so a big part of... <laughs> Of my, conf- there was a bit of confusion for me in that moment as it was happening because uh, I I also think that Sarah in that moment was also just furious at Juno for Beth's death as well. Oh and, yeah, and definitely. She was definitely not only exacting vengeance over the affair but also exacting vengeance over Beth's death, and that was something that kind of I wondered about because I, I feel like while. Well, what Juno did to Beth was not great mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. It was definitely an act of carelessness, but also by the same token, I can understand how considering they were they were facing this unknown thing right. that just completely throws everybody the adrenaline for a loop. was going yeah adrenaline was, was pumping it it's a mistake that I get why that mistake would have been made, so Beth's death. So so I wasn't quite sure how on board I was with with her thinking that she had to exact retribution for killing Beth because it was it was more manslaughter than it was it was it was manslaughter it the, wasn't murder the way that I take it uh the transgression wasn't the killing it was leaving her alone to die. Yeah, I would say leaving her to die and and also the the broader transgression of that she she put them in that position in the first place too. I would say that there, yeah, they're, that's the other thing too, is that, you know, the, the Juno definitely has a big old pile of fuck ups by because the time they get to that point. To me, it, with, mir- it mirrors her leaving Sarah after the accident. Yeah. It's it, Juno in a way put a death blow on Sarah's marriage with the affair and then left her when she needed her most. And that's mirrored by what she does to Beth um, thematically and also like Beth when she talks about don't trust her, you know, she she did this to you and she left me behind. Um, I also feel like, like Juno, I mean, like you said, like the degraded transgression, yeah, like she led them into this fucking cave to die basically yeah um and i guess now that you mention it yeah the fact that juno did leave her to die as well that i think yeah 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 there's definitely a lot of blame to go around and and it's interesting because juno also does decide when she meets up with uh, uh rebecca and sam um and they are both of the opinion that we should just get the fuck out of right. here. And Juno specifically says, no, we're not leaving without Sarah. Without Sarah. So it's clear that Juno is still trying to 
still trying to salvage some kind of yeah she's trying to fix it so yeah some kind of uh of uh, redemption i mean for the herself. whole this whole thing is about fixing that relationship yeah but she just does it in the worst way possible yeah and without taking responsibility for her actions yeah either with the affair and then ultimately with the, the killing of Beth, like when, when Sarah asks her point blank, what happened to Beth and did you see her die? She says, yes, I saw her die. She yeah. flat out lies and can't take responsibility over it. Yeah. Um, it, it really reminds me um, of that Madeline Albright quote where she says, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. And hmm. uh, the descent, obviously, like it brings in those... And it's not only a descent into madness, but it's also like a descending into hell kind of thing. Yeah, uh, and and kind of yeah, just the d- the deeper into this situation that they go, the more the more unspeakable the two of them get. Because by the end, it's just Juno and Sarah, and both of them have definitely toughened considerably oh, yeah. and have become people capable of oh, yeah. get, of surviving this kind mm-hmm. of ordeal. They passed um, their tests. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Um, and uh, and they both I get I it's it's hard to say if they they both become better people for it, but they definitely become the kind of people that are suited for the environment. Yeah. Warrior yeah. women, they become warrior women. Yeah, which I feel like that's the that's the whole thing about this movie also is like when we're talking about how do you get over grief? How do you get over tragedy like that? And you have to build up emotional armor. Yeah. And these women going through these ordeals, that's what they're doing. They're they're building up these armor against these creatures, but they're also building up this emotional armor against each other and against the tragedy. And then it comes to a head when when Sarah's journey is not complete unless she like takes, takes Juno out. It's like, it's almost like Juno's journey is complete because Juno is like, well, this is as far as, as, as I go, because this is all that I've planned for was just to get you to this point. And then Sarah's like, no, but I have a little bit further to go. And so that's when she sacrifices Juno to the creatures. Yeah. Anyway, it's very fascinating, very deep stuff. Yeah. In this movie. So, so, uh, I want to move on to, the next segment, which is called That's Problematic. Did we sign? No, I, I honestly don't see anything that's really problematic in this movie. I feel like it passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Right? Like, there is that. I feel like it's a very feminist work. Yeah, the, there's not a lot. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no of, like, there's no gratuitous over sexualization. No, there's not. Um, the violence is is plentiful, but also it enhances the story. Yeah. It it builds upon character dynamics that are put in place and are already very rich. The women are capable, even when they're like screaming, you know, for their lives, they, they, they never lose their intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. The film never really draws like a, a a demeaning opinion of its characters or anything like that. It's the characters are all just very human. I feel like they're, they're, yeah, it's not to say that they all necessarily make the best choices. They're just all very human choices. I feel like even Juno is uh, someone that you could identify with at different points in the movie. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Because I feel sorry for Juno. Yeah, I think I think that yeah, I I feel like yeah, her character is very interesting because I think that yeah, there are a lot of, you know, quote unquote transgressions. But yeah, yeah, I think you you put it perfectly. She's still it's still very easy to identify mm-hmm. with her and yeah, they 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 pretty much do every character justice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and especially like when you see like the way that she cares about Holly, even though Holly is reckless, but she's her protege, and and she does like admonish her and get on her case. But when it comes down to it, she really is concerned for Holly's safety. Yeah, um, and and she's also concerned for Sarah's safety in a way. Again, it's kind of misplaced, but but uh, you know she's she's trying to after she fucks up, she she tries to do her best to try to get him out of the cave. Yeah, and I guess the only thing that I would say that can be construed as, as problematic coming from like a male gaze um, is the whole aspect of the warrior women, which I know whether we've talked about it. I, fi- I personally find it, you know, badass, but I'm also a dude. Mm. And I love movies where like women yeah. just become like these like badass warriors by the end of it. Yeah. But I feel like that's... I'm not, and I'm not sure the movie necessarily takes it that far, though, or, or necessarily turns it into this kind of arbitrary thing i think that yeah. it, it 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 becomes believable that they they do they do find themselves pushed to extremes that force them to be willing to kill these creatures and to do what it takes to put them out of commission but it, but they are already strong capable women anyway who yeah. are you who you know do this kind of adventuring stuff all the time. So I think that, that yeah, it, it's, it's does, it doesn't become unbelievable. I certainly don't think it's fetishized at all. You're absolutely right. And again, this is, um, that that was me just grasping at a straw because I honestly don't think that this movie is problematic. I think for a movie that I know it's like 2005, so it's not that old, but I think it's aged remarkably well also. Yeah, no, I mean, 2005 was 15 years ago. Yeah. Believe it or not. Right. Fif- yeah. 15 years. Crazy. Holy shit. Even I didn't realize it as I was saying it. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. So it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, considering how long ago it was, yeah, no, I think it's a, a astonishingly woke film. And uh, does, yeah, it did, it, did its, it did its business with grace and a plum. <laughs> and grace and aplomb. I like aplomb better than humility. Um, yeah. I want to. So we're basically, you know, wrapping up the discussion now. But I want to yeah. just mention one more thing and get your opinion on this. Yeah, for sure. Because it's been speculated among fans of the movie that the crawlers may have been a figment of Sarah's imagination, and that she actually killed all her friends as she gradually descended into insanity. Mm. And they asked director Neil Marshall about this. He acknowledged that the theory is a possibility and revealed that he actually removed a shot of a silhouetted crawler during Sarah's hospital hallucination since it would have been too obviously suggesting that the crawlers were not real. Hmm. What do you think about that? That's interesting that he he entertains the possibility and mentions that there there was more there to to lead in that direction right. which which is not necessarily to say because again you know filmmakers have to make these decisions yeah. all the mm-hmm. time about what they're going to include in their right. movie and what they're not uh so that's really interesting that 
he engaged with that because mm-hmm. I know a lot of directors who are like fuck off with your weird ass <laughs> right. theories. So I, I I applaud his own grace for uh, for engaging with that. Um, that's a really interesting theory. Um, I guess it. I'm just I'm just like trying to imagine now like the, how how it would all play out because the movie does track Sarah's descent into insanity very well. By the end of yeah. the movie, she's clearly lost her mind. She's yeah. looking at the the open flame of her torch and and imagining it to be a birthday cake with her daughter. Yeah, and she's and she's happy. Even though, yeah, to me, like that's the, the thing. The British ending is the happier ending because she's ending. happy with her daughter in the cave. Yeah, um, and to me, like a good yeah. horror movie always has this very important ingredient. A good, a good horror movie is is similar to a good Christmas movie. It's all about hope in the face of extreme despair. Yeah, that's what it is. And at the end of the movie, we're left with a hopeful Sarah. She thinks. That she has come to peace with her grief and with the loss of her child. And despite what happens next, which is presumably her being eaten up by the creatures, she has won the movie. She won. Yeah. I like that. I, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with that reading. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that it's necessarily my personal reading. Um, it's a movie that I will definitely revisit, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and certainly I'm going to try to find the, the non-American version right. um, when I do revisit it again. And I suggest all you losers do the same. <laughs> um, it's only like four bucks. Come on, rent it. Yeah, yeah. So um, final thoughts, Ned. Do you think it was a bad movie, so-so movie, good movie, great movie? Where would you put this? Um, I'd, I'd say if the choice is between good and great, I'd say it's great. I'd say it's a fan-fucking-tastic movie. Um, just... Yeah, yeah, it's all there. It's all there. It's all right there in the movie. I mean, you you just said that you were going to revisit it again. Uh, yeah, I, I believe I'm, that this is the first movie that we've seen where you've said I'm watching this movie again. Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to watch it soon. Right. Maybe I'm going to wait until <laughs> you know death is not right outside my door. Yeah, but, and that I can breathe air again before <laughs> I watch it again. But. Yeah, it was really, really good. It's definitely like the kind of movie that I would, uh, yeah, definitely try to show to my family. Yeah, it's a good movie to introduce that, so. to someone to, you know, and, yeah. and watch their reactions. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, oh, and yeah. don't tell them that there are crawlers in it. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good pro tip. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely appreciated your, uh, your restraint in that regard. Yeah, I thought it was more effective. Yeah, I agree okay. with you. I think that this is a great movie. Like I said, it's one of my favorite horror movies of the last 25 years. I and I would I would I mean the word masterpiece gets like thrown around, so I'm not going to say that it's a masterpiece. But I would put it up there with a 28 days later. I really think that this is yeah. one of the most effective, original and best made British horror movies of the 2000s. Everything in it is just firing on all cylinders. The production design, the creature work, the actresses uh, were, again, pretty much unknown, especially for the time. Like, you know, none of them became like major stars, but they're they all handle the material really well. Yeah. Um, And the direction is great. The music, which we haven't even talked about. Yeah. Really good soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing again. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of the sad thing almost about a, you know, a truly good movie is just that so many of the things that make it good end up being kind of invisible Mm -hmm. and you don't even really realize it till you're talking about it afterwards. And yeah, the fucking music is one of those things. It definitely 
Ugh, yeah. yeah. It's really good. Everything just works. Now, I promise that we're going to get to more schlocky films in the future, but every once in a while, it's good to watch like a really, really good movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just want to kick back and <laughs> not say, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that takes care of tonight's episode. We watched The Descent, directed by Neil Marshall. Um, my name was Orlando. And my name was Ned. And we hope that you join us next time for another exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence where we'll watch another movie and then, you know, I, 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 I probably bore you with our opinions. I don't know. With our I think our opinions. opinions are incredibly <laughs> exciting and dangerous. Ooh. We have very dangerous, exciting opinions. They're like the tightrope of opinions. They are. Uh, so I hope that you guys descend into the goodness of this movie and go forth and descend and watch more movies. Until next time. Later. Don't murder your friends. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Just you guys are always bringing the very best part.